you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Today, we're in the book of John, chapter 5. And today, what I'm going to do for just a few moments is I'm going to talk to you about the single greatest problem to ever affect humanity. In fact, you can pretty much trace all human relationship problems back to one source. Did you hear what I said? Which means if you're struggling with problems at work right now, I can already tell you where the problem is. If you're having difficulties this semester in school and your professor's being a jerk, I know exactly what the problem is and I don't even need to know what class you're in. If you're having problems with money, if you're having problems in your marriage, if you're having problems with your best friend, I already know what those problems are. The source of those problems are the same no matter who you are and no matter what the relationship issue. Do I have your attention? Because all relationship issues can trace their source back to the same place. It's a problem of worship. It's a problem of worship placed in the wrong area, worship of the wrong person. And when the wrong person is worshiped, everything starts to derail. Did you know that you were created by God? Every human being on the planet was created by God to worship someone or something. And when we worship the wrong thing, the wrong person, stuff gets out of whack. Well, in the Bible, you see examples over and over again where people practice idolatry. They worship something other than God, their creator. And today, I want to tell you about the idolatry of self-worship, the sin of placing yourself above God. I want you to lean in for just a second, and I need you to listen to what I'm going to say next. There can only be one person on the throne at a time. And if you are on the throne of your own heart and making all of the decisions in your own life, then Jesus cannot be king of your life. If you want Jesus to be on the throne and king of your life, then you're going to have to step off of the throne and you're going to have to allow him to make some decisions. You're going to have to allow him to call the shots in your life. That's what we're going to deal with today in this sermon from John chapter 5. I'm going to put a sentence on the screens, but before I do that, I'm going to give you a warning, a disclaimer. If you don't know Jesus, let's say you're watching this broadcast from around the country or around the world, and you're far from God, the sentence that I'm going to put on the screens next is going to make absolutely no sense to, to you whatsoever. If you are a Christian and have been walking with Jesus... What I'm going to put on the screens in just a second might hurt your feelings. In fact, you might get a little bit mad at what you're about to hear from this Bible passage today, but it's absolutely true. So here it is. Here's what you're going to hear from John chapter 5 today when Jesus responds to some religious leaders, and he's going to tell us that only after you've learned that you can do nothing, notice that word is all caps, Only after you've learned that can you actually do anything, all caps, for God and for his glory. Now, how many of you out there have memorized Philippians 4.13? I can do all things. Go ahead and raise your hands. 
Did you memorize the rest of the passage that says, I can do all things? How is that possible? Through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13 is actually saying what this verse or what this um, sentence on the screen is describing for you. There's really nothing of any eternal value that you and I can do for God's glory until after we surrender it all to him. Which means, get a 4.0 in school, it's not going to matter 10,000 years from now. It means that if you win an Olympic gold medal, no one is going to care in eternity. It means that if you climb to the top of the corporate ladder, if you get promoted to the highest rank, if you achieve every success in life, and you do it by your own physical efforts, it amounts to nothing, eternally speaking. But when you sit back and say, I can't do anything of any eternal value except that God does it through me, except that the Spirit of God moves in me and works through me, now Jesus can do some great things through you. And that's what you're going to get from the Bible today as Jesus gives an answer why he just broke the religious rules by healing a man on the Sabbath. Previously in the book of John, there was a guy who was disabled for 38 years. He was desperate to be healed. Jesus shows up and he does this great miracle. And a man who was disabled for 38 years picks up his mat and he walks home. When the religious leaders see him carrying his mat on the Sabbath, they get furious at him. And they say, hey man, you're breaking our religious man-made rules. How dare you carry your mat on the Sabbath? And he says, the dude who healed me told me to carry my mat. And then the religious leaders go on the offensive against Jesus. And at the end of last week's message, they basically asked Jesus the question, how dare you tell this man, they don't care that he healed him, how dare you tell him that he can carry his mat on the Sabbath and break our rules? And today, Jesus gives his answer to their accusations. The Bible says not only do they accuse him and attack him, but they persecute him, Jesus, for doing good on the Sabbath day. And I'm going to give you Jesus' answer to their questions in three parts. We'll put these three parts together, and they'll make a complete sentence. The first thing that Jesus says when they're confronting him about healing a guy on the Sabbath is that he describes himself as a faithful child. Now, I want you to put yourself in that sentence right there if you call yourself a son or a daughter of God. I want you to place yourself where the word child is here. We're going to pick up in verse 17 from John chapter 5 and hear Jesus' explanation of himself, his legal defense when he's criticized for healing somebody. But I also want to just remind you, any parents in the room? Anybody out there with children? Every parent on the planet knows what it feels like when a child clenches their fists and grits their teeth and refuses to do what mom and dad says to do. In fact, every one of us have done that from time to time. And it's because you and I have a sinful, rebellious nature. That's not true of Jesus. He is not just the faithful child. He's the perfectly faithful child of God, son of God. Jesus' response to them. 
Jesus responded to these religious leaders, my father is still working. Notice the word still here. My father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began to try or began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, their Sabbath rules, but he was even calling God his own father. And by doing that, he was making himself equal to God. Jesus' legal defense here, he's being called on into kind of a legal trial. And his legal defense here is explaining why I just healed on the Sabbath, why I just broke your man-made rules. And Jesus' legal defense goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, so we know from Genesis chapter 1 how God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And we also know on the seventh day, God did what? You can say it out loud. Seventh day, God rested. Did he chill out on the front porch, drinking a glass of sweet tea, and basically do nothing for the rest of eternity? Is that what the Bible means when it says on the seventh day, God rested? Well, Jesus answers them by going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And he says, listen, my father was working when he created everything. And then my father rested. But that doesn't mean that he's not working anymore. He's still active. He's still involved in what's happening around the world. And because my father is working, I'm going to work also. I'm going to work on the day where you guys say carrying a mat is illegal. I'm going to heal somebody. And I'm going to tell him to get up and to carry his mat. And what are you guys going to do about it? Jesus is giving his legal defense here. And you can't miss it from John chapter 5. They are so infuriated by the words that he just said that now they're trying to kill him. The verb tense here is they start in John chapter 5 and they don't stop trying to kill Jesus until the end of the book of John where they actually pull it off. They're so angry at what he just said. Now for all of those other pagan religions out there who claim Jesus is a good man, Jesus is a prophet, he was a really, uh, he was a miracle worker, but claim that he wasn't the son of God, the Bible doesn't give you this option. Because right here in John chapter 5, it is so clear to those religious leaders, Jesus is making himself equal to God, that they're ready to kill him right there on the spot. And here's what Jesus is saying. My father was working on, um, in creation. He's still working today. And I'm working because I'm his child. And a child does what he sees the father doing. I wonder if you feel sometimes like God has stopped working. Like God is just letting this crazy, wicked world spin out of control. I wonder if sometimes it feels to you like God stopped caring about you because of the problems and the difficulties that are going on in your life. What Jesus is saying here in John chapter five is God is still at work. He still cares. He hasn't forgotten about you and he's still very much involved right in the middle of a global pandemic, right in the middle of an economic downturn, right in the middle of a marriage crisis, right in the middle of whatever you're going through right now, just because it's hard, it doesn't mean that the father is not working and that he doesn't care about you. Jesus is the faithful child, and all of us who call ourselves sons and daughters of God, we should deliberately, intentionally try to follow in those footsteps and be a faithful child of the Father as well. 
And here's what Jesus says next as we put this sentence together. The faithful child that is in full submission, 100% totally submitted to the Father. Let me show you what that looks like from Jesus' own words. We'll start in verse 19, John chapter 5. Jesus replied, I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own. Would you pause for just a second? And I want you to focus right here on the screens. Wait a second. Did Jesus just say not able to do anything? Because I don't understand. He just did a great miracle a couple of verses ago. He's been healing people. He's been turning water into wine. He is the son of the living God. And the, the religious leaders were absolutely clear when he said that he is making himself equal with God. And now the one who you and I would claim has all power and all authority says out loud, I can't do anything except that the Father shows me, reveals it to me, the Father does it through me. The Son is not able to do anything on his own, nor can you, nor can I. But, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he's doing. He will show him greater works and than these so that you will be amazed and just as the father raised the son and gives raised the son from the dead and gives them life so the son also gives life to whom he wants the father in fact judges no one but has given all judgment to the son so that all people may honor the son just as they honor the father anyone who does not honor the son does a uh, Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You can't miss it now. This is not just Jesus' legal defense. This is Jesus' ministry manifesto. I'll tell you why I do what I do. And one of the reasons, y'all, that we're talking about the Gospel of John this early in our church's history is because you don't find anywhere else in the Bible passages like this where Jesus just lays it out as clear as day why he does what he does. There are other books in the Bible that tell us what Jesus did and the impact that it made. But in John, you find out why he did what he did. And what Jesus is describing is a son that is fully and totally submitted to the Father. But by the way, did you notice these words? When you honor the son... You honor the Father, making himself equal in honor with the Father. When the Father works, the Son works, making himself equal with the works of the Father. The Father doesn't even judge anymore. He's given that all over to the Son, and now he is in the role of God as judge over the earth. And Jesus even says, look, the God who created and gave life in the first place, he has given me the authority to give life. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, God gave physical life way back there in Genesis chapter 1, but I have authority over spiritual life. And if you didn't hear it, Jesus is basically declaring, you and I are dead without him. I don't know if that word makes you angry or if it upsets you a little bit, but Jesus is saying, you are spiritually dead without him. There is 
nothing that you can do without him and later on in the book of Acts and beyond without the help of his Holy Spirit. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you can do that will matter 10,000 years from now. Only what God does in you first and then through you second really matters. Jesus is the faithful and the righteous judge. And he says, the reason why I can do this is because the Father loves me. Would you listen for just a second? Because any human effort to be good and to do good ultimately falls short outside of a relationship with God. In fact, I want to say it this way. Your righteousness only comes through relationship. Righteous meaning, I did good things. God, are you pleased with me? That only comes through a relationship with your father. And Jesus says, because the father loves me, I can do these things. But if I didn't have the father, I could do nothing. And if Jesus, the, not a son of God, but the son of God can do nothing apart from the father, then I need you to go away today thinking I can do nothing apart from the father because it is in relationship that I'm able to be righteous. I'm only able to do things, good things, because of the Father and because of what He is doing in my life. Every faithful child submits to their parents. And every good and honorable parent will supply all of the needs for their child. But listen to this for a second. If there's a struggle between parents and child, it's always a relationship problem. Faithful submission, perfect su uh, supply, it always comes when the relationship is right. What I'm telling you is if there's a problem between you and God, it's a relationship problem first. Get the relationship fixed, and then the other things will start to fall into place. Don't work on the other things before the relationship. Jesus' method of doing ministry is a faithful child that is totally submitted to the Father, listen to the end of the sentence, here it is, perfectly accomplishes the Father's will. I want you to focus in on the last word on that screen because what we're gonna describe for the next few moments is accomplishing the will of God. And I can't tell you the hundreds of people that have asked me, Jeff, how do I know I'm doing the will of God? How do I know that I'm accomplishing the Father's will? Well, Jesus gives you the answer to this, starting in verse 24. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word, Jesus says, and believes me, or believes him who sent me, has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. Now, Jesus is going to describe how all human beings who have ever lived will one day stand before God as judge. Truly, I tell you, an hour is coming. It's now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted him, to, granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when 
all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. And there's going to be two very different categories of people who come out of the graves. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do nothing. He says it again for emphasis. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus' legal argument here is, hey, be very careful, religious leaders. You are making legal charges against the judge of the universe. You might want to tread lightly. And he describes how you know that you're accomplishing the Father's will. And he says, well, first, I need you to understand that you can't do this on your own. You don't humanly, physically have the power to accomplish anything of eternal or spiritual significance. But God can do that. He can do it through you when you're in a relationship with the Father. Jesus takes his relationship with the Father he compares it to our relationship with the Father. He says, look, I can't do anything except in relationship with my Father, and nor can you. And if you really want to know that you are walking with the Father, that you can make a spiritual significance, then the way that you do that is before anything else, you surrender your will to the will of the Father. This is why we war over our worship. Because all of us in this room, I have it too, you do as well. All of us have this natural desire for respect. And we all want honor. And we all want people to treat us right. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But when they get out of balance, when you want that more than you want God to be glorified, now it starts to cross over an invisible barrier. Now it starts to become self-worship. Now it starts to become the sin of idolatry, placing ourself in the throne of God, or on the throne that only God deserves to be on. I've had so many people ask me, Jeff, how do I know that I'm in the will of the Father that I decided I'm going to do something a little bit different today for next steps? Instead of just simply giving you a simple thought to go out and to do this week, I'm going to give you an explanation on how do you know that you're accomplishing the Father's will? How do you actually not just accomplish it, but find joy doing it? And if you look right down there at your mobile app, if you look at the sermon page, at the bottom of that page, you're going to see four simple steps. I really think these need to be done in order. And I'm going to explain each one of those steps to you. Because step number one is this week when you get up, you can wrestle and you can attempt to have first place in your life, or you can seek the Father's will instead of your own will. When you get up, you look for opportunities to bring glory to your God in heaven instead of drawing attention to yourself. That's step number one of finding joy doing the Father's will. Step number two starts with the word struggle. And it says to struggle this week to live for God's glory. Can I tell you why the word struggle is on the screens? Because this week, your heart, like mine, is going to start to want to be in charge. 
You're going to want to make the decisions. You're going to want to call the shots. And it takes a battle inside your soul for you to submit or to surrender to the Father's will and to live for His glory this week instead of your own glory. If you remember a couple of chapters ago when John the Baptist was being accused and his disciples were saying, John, people are leaving us and they're going to listen to Jesus. John made it very clear. He, Jesus, and his glory must increase. And in order for that to happen, I have to decrease. My glory has to decrease. You're going to have to wrestle for that this week just like I'm going to have to wrestle for that this week. Which brings us naturally to step number three. Because it's a fight at the soul level, you're going to have to submit your desires to the desires of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that what you want to do this week is wrong or bad. I'm saying it just may not be led by the Holy Spirit. It may be selfishly motivated. And if you will submit your desires to the Holy Spirit's desires, look up here for just a second something beautiful starts to happen. Pretty soon, the Holy Spirit puts his desires into your heart and his desires become your desires. And while you pursue the desires of your heart, you're actually pursuing the desire of your Father in heaven. You're actually surrendering to the Holy Spirit because he is putting his heart into your heart. And by following your heart, you start to follow his heart. But it's a struggle. The Bible makes it clear. It's a struggle until your dying day, which brings up the last point. When you start to struggle and faithfully struggle by surrendering your desires to the Holy Spirit, eventually the struggle becomes joy. You can start to submit your toil and substitute it, your hard work of wrestling with your own heart, And it starts to become what Jesus describes, the joy of following your father's desires. And when you get up next week doing that, following God is not difficult. It's actually uh, pleasant. It's a joy for you to get up and to surrender. So I'm going to go back to that sentence that we said just a second ago, because maybe it's still rubbing you wrong just a little bit. You and I can do nothing of any eternal significance until God chooses to work in us first and then through us second. And today he does it by the power of his Holy Spirit. But when he starts to work through you, now God will do amazing, incredible things through his people. So this week, y'all, I'm asking you to get up and to wrestle at the soul level for God's will before your will. And if you will do that, this week will be a very different week for you if you will just do worship warfare all week long. I'm going to pray for us. And then after I pray for us, I'm going to give you a few things that you need to hear before the service ends. But why don't you just bow? And maybe you need to make some kind of commitment to God based on what you heard today. Father, as I listen to John chapter 5, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that Jesus Christ, your son, would say, I can't do anything except that my father does it through me. 
And God, if this is true of Jesus, then it's certainly true of Jeff, but not only true of me, it's true of everybody who's watching this broadcast. And so, Father, maybe somebody has been tuning in today. Maybe your Holy Spirit has just hit them like a ton of bricks. Wait a second. If this is true, then there's no way that I could earn my way to heaven. There's no way that I could be good enough to make my sins disappear. No way that I could do enough good deeds that my bad deeds would be taken, uh, would be be wiped off the books. If what Jesus said is true, then I am completely incapable of earning my way into heaven. And maybe what you wanted to do today, Holy Spirit, is just help them to understand without you, it's impossible. But because they've now come to the point where they realize I can't be good enough, now they're ready to experience the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of their Father in heaven. Maybe somebody is sitting on the edge of their seat right now saying, God, I need you to forgive me. God, I need you to clean me up. God, I can feel it. My soul is dead, and I have no power to make it alive, so I need you to do a miracle and make a dead soul alive for the first time. God, would you hear from heaven somebody's desperate cry for forgiveness and to be made new, to become a new creation? God, would you do a miracle right there, right where they're sitting, as they just simply cry out a prayer of faith, asking you to change them, asking you to forgive them. And then, Father, would you give us the privilege of finding out about this prayer and following up with them and helping them to understand what to do next? Father, I also pray for your people. I pray for me this week because when I get up, I'm going to get up and I'm going to run as hard as I can and I'm going to be tempted to think that I'm doing good things for you all on my own. And not just me, but God, all of your people can sometimes be tempted to believe that our own efforts can accomplish anything for you. But Jesus made it absolutely clear today, without you at work through me, I can do nothing. So God, this week, would you help me to just passionately, relentlessly pursue a relationship with you and want to accomplish your will. And if I do that, God, I believe that you'll do great things in me first and great things through me, but not just me, for all of your people. So Father, would you help me to submit my will and follow the Holy Spirit totally and completely this week? God, would you be glorified as your people respond and take a next step to follow you more closely this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.